Blog Talk Radio. The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Donna Kelly. She is a professor of entrepreneurship at Babson College, and she holds the Frederick C. Hamilton Chair of Free Enterprise. She's a frequent presenter on the topic of global entrepreneurship for executive policy and academic audiences all around the world. She's also a board member of the Global Entrepreneurship Research Association, which is the oversight board of GE. GEM, and she's the leader of the GEM U.S. team. She's co-authored GEM reports on global entrepreneurship, women's entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship education and training, and entrepreneurship in the U.S., Korea, and Africa. And she's here today to talk with us about the latest U.S. GEM report on, on entrepreneurship. A lot of really interesting findings that um, I'm excited to dive into. Welcome to the show today, Donna. Thank you. Tell us, what is the U.S. GEM report? I mean, I know they have them for various countries and world, you know, global entrepreneurship, but what is the report and what is it designed to measure and do? Right. We started in 1999 with our first survey of actually the adult population around the world, and uh, we look at attitudes in society about entrepreneurship and then we delve deeper into those that identify as entrepreneurs to look at characteristics like demographics, their motivations for entering the business, their ambitions to grow, uh, industry participation, and many other factors so that we can get a real full understanding of entrepreneurship and how it changes over time, uh, as well as how entrepreneurship compares with other countries around the world. We started with 10 countries, and we've now grown to around 70 countries that we assess every year. Okay, and what are the results used to do? Are they used to help provide the resources that are found to be necessary to uh, encourage startup activity? Uh, What sorts of implications have these reports had on entrepreneurship? Our audience is really composed of academics, policymakers, and practitioners. Mm -hmm. For academics, we provide data for uh, studies on entrepreneurship to look at factors such as what relates to entrepreneurship in terms of uh, maybe environmental conditions, uh, societal attitudes, and so forth. So we've spawned many academic studies that seek to really uh, enhance knowledge about entrepreneurship. Uh, for practitioners and policymakers, we seek to inform, uh, produce really knowledge and disseminate knowledge about entrepreneurship so that there's a better understanding behind a lot of the decisions that policymakers and practitioners try to do to, to encourage entrepreneurship. 
Well, and the one that we are talking about today is it's a 2016 report, Global Entrepreneurship Monitor Report for the U.S. Um, it's based on findings from 2015. And one of the things that I thought was most interesting was the way the startups are funded. 57% are self-funded, and uh, whether it's themselves and then also family and friends. Do you see the fact that so many entrepreneurs find funding only from themselves as being a barrier to entry? Well, what we actually also teach at Babson College is that the, the logic of entrepreneurship really centers around getting started with the resources you have at hand mm -hmm. and building that opportunity through taking action and learning from the results of those actions and shaping up opportunity in a way that makes it more viable in the marketplace. So we may hear in the media about somebody uh, inventing something and raising $5 million and, and you know, going out and, and implementing it. But the reality is that people really start with few resources and really build that opportunity and that value um, through what they have available to them. Mm -hmm. Till they get to a bankable point or till they get to a point where investors may take an interest. Exactly. And, you know, they may be testing testing their opportunities. So True. some of them may be, and, and probably a lot of them are still holding their jobs, mm -hmm. um, doing this part-time. Um, you know, a lot of these opportunities might not pan out. And so they're, they're not risking um, everything to launch something until they really know what they have and, and how valuable it is. Uh, interestingly, uh, the way it broke down by gender was that uh, – women usually require less, that almost half as much men needed about 20000 to get started and women sought about 10000 One of the things that you sometimes hear about women entrepreneurs is that um, they aren't capitalized well enough. And do you think that the fact that maybe they're not asking for enough money going in or whether it's from themselves, uh, their own personal savings or from their family or friends or whatever the source, do you think that that may stunt from the beginning some of the growth of women businesses? Yes, it could be that they're starting small or they're, they're being as resourceful as possible, just, you know, leveraging maybe other assets mm -hmm. like working out of their home, mm -hmm. um, using computers, other, other um, you know, assets they need for their businesses. But we also, when we look at industry participation, women are often competing in the consumer-oriented sector. And that, mm -hmm. those are businesses that serve customers directly. So maybe customer service types of businesses, um, retail types of businesses. We tend to see with men that they're more often in the knowledge and capital intensive sectors where that might require a little bit more funding. So there can be some, uh, some differences in the types of businesses they're starting, um, as well as the fact that they, they may be starting in a different manner 
Mm-hmm. Um, but we also may be concerned with um, access to, to the resources as well, as you mentioned. Okay. The other thing I thought was interesting when it came to the startup funding was crowdfunding. We've been hearing so much about that lately, and I know we bring lots of uh, would-be and aspiring entrepreneurs onto this show who are – encouraging people to go out to their crowdfunding site and yet it still it still hasn't taken off as much as i think the media would um have you believe it's still at around 12% is that because there's just people are a little bit um uneasy maybe don't know as much about it the specifics of it a little a little uh, shy of it or what do you think is keeping that from lagging or keeping that lagging well, it really contributes to the variety of financing that is available to entrepreneurs. We really have uh, many different ways that we can finance our businesses. For some businesses, crowdfunding might be more viable. Um, it's still an emerging source of funding. Um, and, you know, yes, you're right. There, there will be more knowledge, uh, less skepticism about it, better understanding about it will increase its popularity. Um, but what we found, I guess, real interesting is is that besides personal sources, banks are the most popular source yes. of funding. And, you know, that seems like, wow, that's an old traditional, <laughs> you know, we hear banks aren't the best way to finance your business. Right. But it is, in fact, very popular. Yeah, they came in at 36%, as you say, right behind self-funding. How does this break down by states? In the U.S., was there a higher entrepreneurial activity in a certain cluster of states? Uh, talk to us about that distribution. Right. So we, we don't look at all 50 states because that would require a larger sample size, but we did look at um, states larger, states that tend to um, con- contribute a lot uh, toward the U.S. economy, and uh, Texas has stood out as being pretty entrepreneurial, um, higher rates than the national average, a uh, lot of opportunity-motivated entrepreneurs. T- uh, Florida also has high rates, tends to be more um, necessity entrepreneurs, um, mm-hmm. but those two states, I think, st- stood out a little bit more. Uh, probably surprisingly, uh, New York was a little lower than the national average in terms of business starts, but tending to be um, more in the business services sector. Ohio a little bit um, lower, and then California comes about uh, around the average. Okay. Now, with all this said, though, for the first time in a few years, startup activity was down in 2015. What do you attribute that to? Well, we also found that the drop is entirely related to opportunity-motivated entrepreneurs. Now, this is what we saw after the recession, mm-hmm. 2007-2008 recession, although that was a much more market decrease, that we have essentially the same level of necessity entrepreneurs, meaning those that are starting a business because they have no better sources of income. Okay. Um, the opportunity-motivated entrepreneurs, on the other hand, are starting the businesses primarily to pursue an opportunity. They're, they're essentially choosing to, to get into this business. What we saw is the drop was due to these opportunity-motivated entrepreneurs, which could lead to some concern. Um, another indicator that we might look at is the drop in societal attitudes about the presence of, of good uh, entrepreneurial opportunities. That dropped as well mm-hmm. um, after reaching the highest point in the 2014 survey. So it may be that 
there was a lot of entrepreneurial enthusiasm after people were holding back post-recession, and, and now maybe we're settling down to normal levels. Um, but it's something that we certainly want to watch going forward. Talk to us a little bit more about the societal perception, the drop in societal perception, because uh, that that's very important, especially for, I think, younger entrepreneurs that are coming up. That uh, When I started working with entrepreneurs 25 years ago, I often heard from them that their friends thought they were corporate dropouts. They couldn't make it in corporate America, so they uh, – had to go out and create a business so that they could have a, a revenue stream, you know, a source of income. And we're not reverting back. When you make that statement, we're not reverting back to that type of perception, are we? So I just want you to uh, clarify a little bit what you're talking about when you say that there's a, a society, a drop in society perception of entrepreneurship. Right. Um when we really see the opportunity perceptions fluctuate quite a bit with the economic cycles. And it can happen that people that are intending to start a business might hold off for a lot of reasons. If, uh, if I think that people aren't going to be buying my, my potential product, if I think I might have difficulty um, getting co-founders and financing, I might hold off until things are looking a little bit better. Um, but interestingly, we also track employee entrepreneurship, and that is uh, when employees are, are in an organization and they start businesses for their employer. Mm. And in the United States, both employee entrepreneurship and independent entrepreneurship are, are high for a, a developed economy. So we see the United States as having entrepreneurs, some may start a business, go back into an organization, and even be entrepreneurial in an organization. Some might prefer to be out on their own, where others might prefer to leverage the resources they have with their organization. So I would say we have an entrepreneurial society that crosses many different contexts, and entrepreneurial uh, individuals can be entrepreneurial at different points in their career uh, over many different types of ventures and in many contexts. True. You talked a little bit at the beginning. You mentioned social entrepreneurship, and that's actually up. What is social entrepreneurship and what kind of trends are you seeing there? Yeah, the social entrepreneurship, those are businesses that are started uh, with a, a social mission. Now, they may be for-profit organizations that have a social mission. They're not necessarily just uh, government-oriented or, or nonprofit. But we see that uh, there are about 12% of Americans are leading or, or trying to start a social enterprise, and almost uh, half and half women and men, whereas when we look at independent entrepreneurship, that tends to be uh, dominated more by men. We have about six or seven women for every 10 men entrepreneurs in our, our total entrepreneurial activity measure. But in social entrepreneurship, women are almost as likely as men to start a social-oriented enterprise. And that makes a lot of sense to me, uh, actually, when you read about some of the reasons that women make good entrepreneurs. And one of those is that they tend to have a stronger tie to the community, uh, the successful women entrepreneurs do, and that they tend to, uh, in, in terms of their employee relationship, it tends to be higher, at least some of the reports that you read. So that doesn't really surprise me a lot there. Uh, 
-hmm. when you're talking about the 2015 report, when you break it down demographically, for many years, three or four years, women had been coming on really strong, but they've dropped a bit this year. What do you think is the reason for that? That you mean in their entrepreneurship yes. rates? Yes, in their entrepreneurship, except with the exception of the thirty-five to forty-four year range. We do see uh, an age pattern that's that's really interesting. That women have um, more of a gender gap with men in the younger and older age ranges, but then the thirty-five to forty-four year olds we see a spike mm-hmm. up in entrepreneurial activity, mm-hmm. and this could be due to the fact that. At that age, women have accumulated um, connections, uh, access to resources, credibility, experience that they're now leveraging into their businesses, and perhaps entrepreneurship is a much more viable career option than than working for somebody. So it may be a good time for women to Mm -hmm. be starting businesses. But I think it also speaks to perhaps a need to inspire younger women to try their hand at entrepreneurship and almost start out their careers with um, having that option and thinking about that option of starting businesses. So there are a lot of implications, I think, around that. Yeah, and I was just on a, uh, I just was a part of a panel on this, on women in STEM, and that had some very revealing revelations. Some of the reasons why women aren't going into uh, and starting businesses in the STEM industry, one of which is that they perceive, instead of the social good, they can't see the social good in it. Uh, you have to help connect them with what that maybe this engineering um, business they have helps uh, create sewers in developing countries. That part is interesting to them and is uh, attractive to them, whereas the perception many of them have, though, is that they're going to be sitting in isolation coding all day. And and so that deters right. them from going into pursuing some of these. At least that was one of the outcomes of the panel. Babson College, a business school, and for the first time in our uh, almost 100-year um, history, we have more women enrolling in the incoming class than, than men. Good. Um, Typically, around the world, I've talked to our Iranian colleagues, um, women tend to be less involved in business and engineering disciplines, and, um, and, and that might constrain or contribute toward constraining entrepreneurship. The other thing that I think is important for women is, is just the idea of role models and mentors. Yes. And so there's a lot of recognition. Um, Ireland is doing a lot around trying to promote growth-oriented women entrepreneurs, um, and and also just bringing them to the forefront of the media. We tend to see um, lots about Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk and and sort of the white males, but um, in reality, entrepreneurship is very diverse. So on that note, which groups are you seeing more activity in uh, in this 2016 report that reflects 2015 activity? Yes, we have uh, primarily a, a white population, and so. When we look at who makes up the entrepreneurs, yes, primarily Caucasian, but when we start looking into different race and, and ethnicity groups, so among whites, we have an entrepreneurship rate of around 12%, but among African Americans, the rate is actually higher. It's 14%. Mm-hmm. Um, Asians, the Asian population tends to be um, a little less active, but um I guess what's what's probably more um, concerning about the African-American population is that 
when you start looking at mature business activity, their rates are much lower. So we should question why are African Americans starting at a higher rate, but far fewer sustainable businesses. And when policymakers, practitioners, and, and anybody thinks about promoting entrepreneurship, what we need to do is focus on promoting sustainable businesses, not just getting started. Absolutely. As we close here today, talk to us about how the U.S. startup activity compares to those in other countries. We have a, a high entrepreneurship rate. Um, Canada, Australia has been a little bit higher in the last survey, but we tend to be at the top in terms of the developed economies. We have a, a relatively high entrepreneurial employee rate, um, and the United States tends to score higher in terms of the percentage of entrepreneurs that operate in the knowledge-intensive and service sector, mm -hmm. which is, is really a hallmark of the developed economies. You'd like to see more activity in the, uh, the knowledge types of um, sectors. And we tend to have more innovative and, and growth-oriented entrepreneurs. So the United States is unusual in that rates are high in both entrepreneurial employee activity as well as independent entrepreneurs, whereas in some countries maybe both are low or you have a trade-off that either more people are doing startups or more people are, are staying in their companies for various reasons. So you see that in some countries. But we have entrepreneurs in, in both contexts, and also the quality of entrepreneurs is very high. So high quality meaning you know, innovation, growth orientation, and, and operating in the knowledge-intensive sectors. Okay. And there's so much more that we could talk about that is a result of this report. If anybody was interested in really drilling down and studying more of the detail, where can they find this report? The report is available on the babson.edu website, and it's also available on the, the Global Entrepreneurship Monitor website, which is GEM, G-E-M, consortium.org. Okay. Thank you so much for all of your insights today. We really enjoyed having you on the show, Donna. And I enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. And if you'd like to learn how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.